I know now why you cry, but it is something I could never do. My name is Matthew Kroll. Watch it, lug nuts. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. I can't believe we're doing it. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. You got so excited, I felt like your eyeball was about to pop out. Yeah, because I am. I, and, and I'm so the psyched. veins are popping out of your neck. I, 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 we'll get into why I'm so psyched, yeah. but I'm so 100% on board. Let, mm-hmm. Let's fucking go. This is this is my jam. Uh, and we're, we're particularly doing this because I feel uh, they just did a 3D re-release, uh, which I saw. Yep. Uh, one of us saw. I didn't. I did not. Uh, and we'll talk all about it. But Shahir, uh, I am pumped beyond pumped beyond pumped. I'm, I'm nervous about this episode, to be honest. Why? I'm nervous Why? about it because um, I think um, we know off the bat both of us love this movie. Sure. Right? Like, we, there's no, we've talked about this movie a bunch on the podcast, probably since day one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Um, I'm nervous because I don't want this episode to just be a gush fest for Terminator 2. I want us to like really get into this film and like and think about it analytically and think about it just like exactly why we love it and whether that love is earned. Uh, a spoiler alert, it 100% is. And uh, I have, I, I, no, I have. It doesn't matter if it is or it isn't. The question is giving reasons why. Like, I don't want us to just sit here and go, oh, it's awesome. It's the best movie ever. It's just did, awesome. Did I you, love it. Did you do notes, Shahir? I did do notes. Okay. Good, because I did notes and I did a lot of sort of reasons why things happen. Okay, good. Uh, I, I'm not, and I, I, you know, I'm taking a little bit of offense to your just instantly feeling like, oh, I'm just going to fanboy this one. I didn't and say, I didn't say you shit to back it up. I didn't say you. I said us. I'm, I'm hoping uh, we don't just sit here and go. That's not our style. I, that, that we just, uh, you know, like, oh my God, this movie is so amazing, which no. I think is, you know, when you're revisiting a classic like this, sure. when, you know, like a, a film that, that meant a lot to you growing up, mm. it, you know, it meant a lot to me growing up. Um, I think it's easy to do, and I think it's easy to to, to sort of think, to, to not think about it analytically, or not th- think about it just uh, as reviewers, which is our job. Well, I think that's our unpaid job. our unpaid internship, <laughs> yeah, our uh, unpaid internship. Where no, I think the 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 cool part for me, especially because God. I've been uh, <laughs> not being paid to review films mm. for the better part of the last 11 years. Okay. <laughs> uh, holy shit. That's sad. Um, but, but whenever I revisit a, a classic like this, um, spe- specifically ones that like I have a, a, a long history with, mm-hmm. um, I always find uh, sort of it's, it is fun to dive in and there's very few films that hold up to the level of scrutiny that I'd like us to sort of put to this. Like, I mean, to your point from before, for, uh, and coming out the other side with me still having uh, the same feelings that I do for it. Because, I mean, look, we can tear anything apart. No, I, no, I, no I, I, I think we will prove that we can't tear about this movie. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting, I'm by the way, that, we, that, that we're tearing it apart for the sake of tearing it apart. I'm just saying let's be rigid with it. And if we do love it and if we do actually really, really love it, let's say why. And let's give let's give an argument why we love because it. normally we just don't give reasons. Yeah, I mean, I no, I just think I just think <laughs> in the case of a film like this, you know, like a much beloved film all like right, this, all right. I think it's very easy to. If we did Jurassic Park, I would worry about the same thing. No, no, I understand, and I think you know now. Just I think you're you're saying that less for us and more for people listening to be like, oh, what the hell are they going to say about Terminator Two? Exactly. Uh, you know, and there, there'll be some new stuff in there because there's so many. Hey, you know what's interesting? Even with the 3D re-release, um, there's so many editions of this film. Right. There's like there's like three or four different cuts. Um, it's been released all over the 
the damn place in many different formats. I mean, I've, I've owned it, I think on four separate formats. Okay. Uh, this is definitely a film that like is a, whenever there's a new format, I will buy this film in that format. Right. So when I, when I finally upgrade to 4k, this will be, this will be, be a film that's worth yeah. And I'll be curious it. to see uh, if it, is it available in 4k right now? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. Well, yeah. whatever it is, I'll be curious to see what cut of the film they put out on 4k because every, like I was shocked which cut of the film they put out for the 3d re-release. Right. Uh, there, there's just, and, and it, it actually is its own cut, huh. uh, which is very strange to me, but it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, any cut, any, any way you cut it, uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll get to the, uh, I want to get to the film in one second. I just want to um, issue out a couple of corrections that were uh, sent into us. Corrections? Yes, corrections. Sam in from CJ Johnson in Australia, who's friend of the show, who's been on it a couple of times. Fun fact, uh, uh, the, the CJ Johnson and my um, bromance that has been brewing in the background of the show uh, took another turn where we re, uh, where he, after listening to my stories of coming from Fiji, realized that he his family is also, um, ha- has spent a lot of time in Fiji and he spent a lot of time in Fiji and we our families might have actually uh, crossed paths in Fiji, huh. which is a, a pretty, pretty... Did he ever buy you a trucker hat? Uh, he did not buy me a trucker hat. Oh, okay. Hat. So no. whose bromance is actually stronger? I mean, you know. Yeah. To point taken, yeah. point taken. Uh, but Thank last you, uh, last week on Logan Lucky, I mentioned, uh, I believe I mistakenly uh, said that Catherine Waterson was uh, was British doing an American accent. And oh. I thought she was doing an excellent job of it. Turns out she is actually American. So she did do an excellent job of <laughs> she it. She did an excellent job of it, yes. Um, and she is also the daughter of Sam Waterson, actor that you've probably seen in many a film. Um, I What else uh, did we get wrong? Uh, the, the other one was something I actually acknowledged uh, in the liner notes, which was that I mistakenly, again, this is me, uh, when we were talking about Detroit, I mentioned the film Near Dark, and I said it was starring Christopher Lambert. It is not starring Christopher Lambert. It's starring a- Adrian Pazder uh, and Bill Paxton, um, but I just got that wrong in my head. See, this is why you shouldn't be knowledgeable about anything, because then people can take you to task for it. But but I will say, you did agree with me on both these occasions. You didn't I, Half the time, I'm, you know, I'm just like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes total sense to me. I trust you. You led me astray. I don't know why you're putting me on this. Uh, <laughs> but if no. you want to write us in with yes, your corrections, corrections, admissions, if you think that I am being a pompous douche with my incorrect facts, please do so. That is at not o- the reason you are a pompous douche. <laughs> uh, please do so at onlymoviepodcast only at gmail.com. Uh, write us in on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, please leave us, leave us an iTunes review if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you own a 4K Blu-ray copy of Terminator 2, send yeah, it in to us. You should probably just uh, send it our way. And it would really be the thing that pushes me over the edge to buy a 4k projector okay matt yes hi what's terminator 2 about oh do you want me to read the MTV I, I just, just let's the get this out of the way because I, we have a lot to talk about the here. hilarious <laughs> okay here we go a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill sarah connor must now protect her 10 year old son john connor from a more advanced cyborg cool. i mean that's pretty much it that's pretty much it uh yeah I, look when uh, did you see terminator 2 i saw uh, the year it came out in the year of our lord uh 1991 wait how old were you? you would have been nine years old yeah nine years old you went to the movies and saw it i went to the movies and saw it it was a thing uh honestly i think it was sort of my, my dad loved arnold schwarzenegger he instilled that sort of love with, in it with me uh, i probably watched some arnold movies um i think i've talked about this in the podcast before how we saw predator like my mom was out of town and like he took me to the video store and the whole magical moment blah 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 <laughs> uh i was definitely uh team schwarzenegger over team stallone not that i had anything against stallone i think that's warranted i think that's fairly fairly well warranted given the sure. caliber of films that schwarzenegger did yeah, yeah but they, that was 
was kind of like the weird mini, like not rivalry, but like kind of rival. This was your Civil War before there was Civil War. Sure. This was your DC versus Marvel before I, there was I guess, DC versus Marvel. But I think, Marvel. I think, uh, <laughs> even though, even though Arnold played, uh, even though now they've swapped, yeah. uh, Stallone is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, mm-hmm. as a Ravenger captain, and uh, you know, we all know Mister Freeze. You know, a fun fact I learned today, yeah, uh, is uh, because Honest Trailers released a Honest Trailer for the movie Face Off. Face Off yeah. was originally written for Schwarzenegger yep. and Stallone, yeah. which Crazy. makes a lot more sense than totally Nicolas Cage does. and John Travolta. Yep, a hundred percent. But yeah, so, um, so okay. I saw that. So I saw the movie when I was nine years old. Um, and it honestly is the first real memory that I can like viscerally remember the entire experience of being in the movie theater. And that's something, again, I don't want it to, well, it's going to, but fuck it. It's, it, I, if this was a lesser film, I would say that is going to taint my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can back up. I can, I can practice everything that I'm about to preach. Okay. And uh, the, the big takeaway of this, honestly, is that um, this was the first piece of media the first film in particularly that i ever cried at okay and this was the movie that taught me that uh, a couple different sort of lessons that i think are kind of important when dealing with any sort of cinema one uh a movie can be more than just one thing i feel like up until that point i was like oh this is a comedy this is an action movie this is a drop like i just i had compartmentalized what a film was mm-hmm. i didn't realize that they could Wait, sort you of aware of genres at the age of nine yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i knew what what they were but like i thought like oh if it's a comedy it can't be sad like right. in my kid brain right and this was the first time where i was like oh shit and then the second then the second time is when i started crying at the end obviously when it's the saddest moment in cinematic history yeah. uh th- it like it really it it knocked me for a loop to the point where i was like oh my god like film film can make me have this level of an emotional response like to, to remember that as a nine-year-old is yeah. weird as fuck right and uh it it's it's stayed with me ever since and i and i honestly think i know i equate um escape from new york for the reason that i actually decided to go into television and film mm-hmm. but um i i have to honestly give the super genesis of realizing the power of the visual medium of film to uh to terminator 2 because that's when i realized it uh it could actually do all of the wonderful things that it does it knew now why you could cry yeah well <laughs> i knew now it could make me cry there you go. and it was something that it did i, I still i saw this in the theater two days ago and i still i I didn't cry, but I, I, you know, you got the, you got the feels like I welled up a little bit and I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) what about you? You, you, so you said this was important to you. It was, it was, I, uh, I think, uh, there were other movies that came before it that I kind of fanboyed over. I remember Batman, the, uh, the original Tim Burton one was one when I was younger that I got really, really excited for. I was like hyped up in the marketing and the comics, everything there. Um, I think the, I'm trying to think, I, I have a funny feeling the first movie that made made me cry was either Flight of the Navigator or Dead Poet Society. One of those two films made me cry. How old were you when you saw Dead Poet Society? I would have been like nine years old. Huh. Uh, uh, and it uh, it made me cry. The the Oh Captain, My Captain yeah. thing kind of really, wow. really welled me up. I feel like this is a very telling thing about <laughs> both of our personalities. <laughs> I'm sure I would have cried in movies before then, but that's the one I can like really remember. Yeah. Flight of the Navigator as well, I think really. Flight of the Navigator yeah. scared the piss out of me. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, I never it's a cried. dark movie. It's dark and I, I rewatched it recently. Mm-hmm. It has a bunch of problems as a, you know, a yeah. kid's alien movie from that era sort of does, but yeah. like they don't make the dark kids movie anymore. Like yeah. Stranger Things is the closest thing to it and yeah. that's too self-aware to even really do it. Yeah. Like, it, oh, Flight of the Navigator, it, yeah. listeners, if you haven't seen the film Flight of <laughs> 
The Navigator. Watch it. I'm not going to say it's a great film. No, but it has some really interesting ideas going on. And it's dark. Yeah, also a time travel movie. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, but then I I I I I was a big Arnie fan uh, back in the day as well. I remember bonding with friends at school, like the thing that we had in common. I remember on the first day of school, uh, Kurt Williams and I. The thing we bonded over was our mutual love of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now I was more in love for the movies. He was actually a bodybuilder. At really? The, yeah, he was like really into to weight training and that sort of. How thing. old so, were you at this point? Again, we were. Tw- uh, well, no, this would mean twelve-year-old uh, weightlifter. No, uh, start of high school. So, oh, yeah, so yeah, so like 15, 16. Uh, 13, 14. Uh, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, fourteen, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was really into white training, uh, so he loved Arnold for that reason. Um, so I was really a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, as I think every kid around that period was. Um, and then there was just this huge. Po- I remember I used to watch Entertainment Tonight, like late night. Uh, it would play at like eleven o'clock at night in New Zealand, and they had when like, you had to switch the channel off of the scrambled porn when your parents walked <laughs> in the room. We didn't have uh, like we were so unsophisticated with television. We didn't even have scrambled porn. Oh, you it was regular porn. No, we had no porn oh. like streaming to our televisions. Huh. Uh, I'm, <laughs> well, actually, the first one that I. Remember, uh, and this again will probably tell you a lot about me. Was uh, the Decameron by Pier Paolo Pasolini, which was like the first R eighteen movie that came up on on our on our paper service. Sure. So I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna watch that." And it was like, you know, this bawdy Roman tale uh, with not a lot of sex in it. Um, anyway, <laughs> <The> young Shahir <laughs> was disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. Anyway, I I I got very hyped for Terminator. I think there was something about seeing this notion of the liquid middle man. That that they they really teased out in trailers, um, that really captured uh, our the collective imagination of the time. Yeah, uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to overestimate how big a deal Terminator Two was when it came out. Uh, I don't think there's a movie today that causes this level of excitement. I remember back then it was Batman, which I remember seeing when I was a little kid and being disappointed by. I remember going, oh, this this isn't as good a movie as I was thinking it was going to be. But when I went to see Terminator 2, I was like, this is as good a movie as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Here's a fun thing as well. I, I, I know this probably didn't happen this way, but Peter Jackson writes about seeing Terminator 2 opening night in Wellington, New Zealand. This was before he was the Peter Jackson that we know, which is also the same night I went sort. And he talks about being at the same movie theater that I was at. He's not obviously writing. I was at the same movie theater that she was at. He was just talking about, was he not? No, I don't know why he, I mean, look, Peter, you know, I don't know why you don't mention me anymore in any of your stories. Maybe it's because you're too busy gushing over Soderbergh. <laughs> That's true. And I was nine years old at the time. Um, but uh, he he mentions seeing um, Terminator 2 that night, which was the same night I saw it with my older brother. And and he talked about that being a transformative moment for him where he realized he could do, because um, I think he was really trying to do King Kong, but he also, I think he hadn't done Heavenly Creatures at that point. Right. So it was really a turning point for him. Um, but I was absolutely blown away by this film. And it was, it was a film that once I owned a VHS copy of yeah. it, it was a film that, you know, any free moment I had, I would be watching this movie. Yeah. You know, like there was just no, if you have a spare time, if you have a spare two hours to watch a movie, it's going to be this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Terminator 2, 
obviously means a lot to me. Now, did you, um, uh, how, how were you on Terminator 1 at this point in Here's your life? Here's the deal. I hadn't seen Terminator 1 first. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I think a lot of people came to Terminator 2, kids in particular. Uh, yeah. that, well, so this is also during the, the interesting time. So so I didn't know that first. Yeah. Uh, all I knew was Arnold was a good robot. Right. Uh, which is fine for a nine-year-old me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, R-rated Arnold's a good robot? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, but uh, the interesting thing I thought anyway was was um, how this was during the era and aliens sort of fell into this a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. uh, how these R rated action movies would have toy lines. Yeah. <laughs> I had Terminator two action figures. I had the liquid metal thing that yeah. like blew up. I had Arnold with a minigun. Like these are, these are, these are violent, especially for the time films uh, that they literally just marketed to kids. It's like as if, and these aren't even as violent. I think they, uh, you know, but like the Fast and the Furious, if they were Fast and Furious action figures for children. I wouldn't be surprised if they are. There, I, there aren't. Really? I've looked. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, actually I haven't. I don't know. Maybe they could be. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just, it, it was during a time that like, it was, it was, it was just cool sort of, to love Predator, for example. Like, like, predator action. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. get a Predator action, but you get an alien action figure. Uh, so so that was always, that sort of is what like tied me into it as well. I, I then saw Terminator 1 years later. Um, and of course, I didn't like it as much, but it was interesting to see Arnold as the bad guy. And then... Mm -hmm. I came to the realization this is this movie gave me so many so many firsts yeah um, that <laughs> lost your virginity a lot but a lot of different <laughs> kinds of virginity it, this lost my trusting and advertising virginity oh wow. because because I realized and it was, this was years later this is maybe four or five years later that mm. the entirety of the first third or not the first third maybe the first fourth of Terminator 2 it's built around the idea you don't know which Terminator is the good one or the bad one. Yeah. And since the last Terminator, Arnold, was the bad one, you Presume. kind of would assume yeah. that whatever. But the trailer, and go back and watch yeah, the trailer now, it. Yeah. it blows that right away. It's like the man who is the machine that was sent back to kill now must protect. And it yeah. like blows that whole thing. But in but but since I'd only seen the trailer and then the movie, I was like, oh, this was common knowledge. But I, I, every time I watch it now, I'm like, there's no reference to who's good and who's bad. In fact, you would think that the guy who's morphed into a cop is the good one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the you're, you're right. It, it, the, the, the advertising does blow that. However, I think it still works on a character level. Like you're still like this character doesn't know which is the good one and which is the oh, bad oh, one. Yeah, no, you know 100%. I mean? I'm saying, but they, they had that, they had the, they had the opportunity to let the audience live in that same headspace as the characters. Right. And still have it be enjoyable and not confusing. And due to the advertising, they lost that. I think, you know, again, uh, this was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. And this was, you know, like in the wake of a film like Batman, which had like a huge marketing blitz, I think this was the period where let's do, you know, massive marketing blitz. And I think, I think what's different now is that, is that we are in a period of oversaturation of media around the release of a film where, you know, a trailer contains the entire three acts. Of sure. It. And, and this, it, it was still a case where you could control the information that you were delving out. So I think they were still delving out just liquid middleman 
Arnie's now the good guy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as, you know, and, and I think even if you just know those things, the film still has surprises oh, for of you. Of course, it 100% does. But could you imagine going in, thinking Arnold's the bad guy, then being like, what? what? Like, that would have been a, another transformative. So that movie would have had like nine transformative moments as opposed to eight. Yeah. Like, it just, it, <laughs> I don't know. I just always have thought about that ever since then. Okay. So we both loved the film. We both, I think, uh, collectively that it, it, it it was the if you saw this film at the right age, it was a film that inspired you to to get into visual effects. I want to take one sidestep right now. Uh, I asked on Facebook, you know, I mentioned on Facebook and on Twitter that we were doing this podcast uh, about Terminator Two, and we had a question come in. Before we get into the review, I want to address the elephant in the room that is being tossed around with the re-release of this film. Sure. Um, and that is that last week, James Cameron, uh, was doing a press junket and was probably at some point asked his opinion about the new wonder woman film. And his words were something to the effect that wonder woman, um, uh, in his mind was a traditionally objectified character and that he felt that the, the new wonder woman film, uh, by Patty Jenkins, while he didn't hate the film felt fair, fairly, uh, typical, for a Hollywood film about a woman, and then he and then he made some comparisons to what he had done in uh, in both Aliens uh, and in Terminator uh, in terms of like creating uh, female characters. And uh, our friend Stephen Buja had asked us the question in light of recent comments by Cameron: How do you feel about Sarah Connor as a feminist role model? And I think to a broader extent. Um, you know, obviously the internet has, has, has eviscerated, uh, Mr. Cameron, perhaps rightly so. Um, uh, how do you feel about that entire exchange? Um, <sighs> I guess what I'd say mm -hmm. is first off, you don't have to piss on someone else's candle to make yours burn brighter. And by that, I'm just sort of saying like, okay, Terminator 2 is getting this re-release 3D, what, 25 years mm -hmm. later? Yeah. Jesus Christ. 26. 26. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and he's asked about P Patty Jenkins, obviously, because she's sort of the, in, in the, in the, uh, in she's the, in the zeitgeist, in the zeitgeist in, yeah. right now. Now he's a, he, to be fair, I, I've watched a, a couple of these junkets recently just in preparation for this. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's asked, like, he's asked, how do you feel about alien covenant? How do you sure, feel sure, about sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, 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 uh, I just don't understand why, even if you believe this and I don't think I agree, mm -hmm. uh, why you'd even say like, it just seems like a dumb thing to say because again, you know, no one's no, <laughs> You you made an incredible character with Sarah Connor, and this film is iconic, and it will be in the in the public knowledge for as long as my generation is is in our generation is here. Mm -hmm. Why be like, well, it's fine, but I did it better. Like that's just there's that's there's this tact, and then there's just not like I don't get it. Like there's no point behind it. Right. Like I, so so whether or not he believes it or not. Now, do I think? I mean, this is a dumb question for a straight white guy to answer, but like, do I think who's more feminine or who's a better feminine role model, Sarah Connor or Wonder Woman depends on the woman that women are relating to. Like, it's not a one stop shop. So like, it's, it's just stupid to me. It's not that he believes it. It's that he chose to say it like, cause we can all have opinions, mm -hmm. but like who get like, 
I don't care if he thinks, of course he thinks Sarah Connor's better. He helped develop Sarah Connor. He made that character. I don't think that's why he thinks she's better. Okay. Why then explain? I, I, okay. So again, uh, to your point, uh, I think it was just a ill-timed thing to say. And I don't think that he, uh, we should hold him to the flame for saying something in the midst of a junket that is not particularly inflammatory. It's Yo. just, it's just, well, everyone a, wants clickbait. Everyone a, a, wants, yeah, you yeah. know, it makes, it makes for a good headline. I think, um, the, un, I, my thing is, and this might be clickbaity on our part, uh, here is that I kind of partially, in some ways agree with what Cameron sentiment was. Unfortunately, the way in which it is presented that he said it feels like he's kind of mansplaining feminism. And, and that's, that's the problem with what he said is that it feels like he is trying to uh, explain feminism. Now I'd have to read it again. (laughs) Was it very opinionated? Was just like, I feel like I'd, I like my, you know, strong female characters to be like this. What what he's responding to is, is something actually I said on, on our wonder woman episode, which is that, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, there's this kind of collective pat on the bat going on right now about, Hey, female superhero made a shit ton of money. Aren't we great? And I think, and, and I didn't find wonder woman to be a particularly great movie. You know, I thought it was an okay movie you and soulless <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, I, re- I really do. And I think, you know, like, uh, uh he's probably watching that. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't want to presume what his opinion is. He was like, it's a fine film, but he, but he's suggesting that, you know, the things he did, for example, and I agree with this in aliens and in Terminator two are far more interesting than what they do in wonder woman from a feminist point of view. Now, unfortunately, Feminism is many things to many people. Right, and I was going to say, it means, who's feminism? Like that's for your, like the It camp. means many different things. And I think he was, he was addressing this notion that, that, um, Wonder Woman's sexuality is an important part of the reason why we watch her. And then that's something that he worked very hard not to have in Sarah Connor and not in, um, in, um, Ripley from Aliens. Again, this is very, this is very tricky. Well, then you're then 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 he's defining what a woman is or what a woman isn't. Exactly, and that and is this a, is, that's problematic. Th- this is yeah. It's I, I think his sentiment. His well, is, my strong woman isn't sexy or is like fuck you. Like that's not again. I don't thing. think he's saying it this way. And I, and I think there's this 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 sort of uh, willingness to leap on him um, for for things he said. I kind of partially agree with the sentiment that that Wonder Woman as a film is not as progressive as we think it is compared to some other films that have been around much longer. Um, but but I think it's 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 feminism to 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 coach that to couch that in in feminism as as an ideology is perhaps taking too far a leap and 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 I think you know he comes off as mansplaining feminism which is not uh, an appropriate thing to do but I I, I kind I look I uh, again feminism is many things to many people and it means many different things um, and 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 it and I I. I actually do agree that his work in Aliens and Terminator 2 in particular is far more interesting than the work of Wonder Woman. Now, that's not to say that his brand of feminism 
is more interesting. So you're than, literally just saying your opinion of it. You think these characters are more, you think Sarah Connor and Ripley are more interesting than Wonder than Patty Jenkins is Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's, that's a fine statement. Yeah. And anyone can make that. And if, I think that's they, what he's saying. If they'd like to, but that's, that might be that we're now we're defining what he meant, but yeah. that's not what he said. He came off. Yeah. Like, he, and I have to reread it again and I don't want to say like he's saying like oh I'm going to tell you about what feminism is but he he literally at a press junket where he could have just been like oh yeah it's a fine movie I'm very proud of Patty or whatever like could have just whatever he also said the same thing about Alien Covenant he said something similar like when he was asked a question about Alien Covenant he was like he said it's a fine movie I like Ridley Scott a lot which is what he said about Patty Jenkins yep. he said it's a fine movie I like Patty Jenkins a lot but then did he but, go but I did it better well he said he actually with on Alien Covenant he was like it's not the movie I would have made he was like, I, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't make that movie. But like, and maybe that's maybe what the more of the more of the tactile thing he should have done with yeah. Wonder Woman. He but like, I, he could have been like, you know what? I mean, looking back even at my films, I think you could see I would have made a different Wonder Woman. But you know, it's a fine. Like that's fine. Like. Ju- <laughs> He's 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 a silly person for having done that. And I look, I'll sh- I love James Cameron and I have a very interesting relationship. Uh, up late at night, tweets, texts you, he's like, yeah, "Hey Matt, I just you up? This, I just uh, said this thing. Yo, I don't know how I feel I, about I, it." I, I, here's the Avatar two script. Will you not throw this one in the fire? Because <laughs> um, like he's made things that have changed my life, and there's no question that he in his prime, especially, was just this. Fucking powerhouse, just this madman of just cinematic gold. He might still be in his prime. Let's see how the Avatar sequels go. Well, I know a hundred percent. I, I, but like for instance, Avatar was, in my opinion, hot garbage. Um, <laughs> it, 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 with a simple story that like mashed up two really outdated genre pieces and then threw sex with ponytails in it, and I was like, okay, I guess, okay, unobtainium, like. Th- so like that to me, that's what I'd rather jump on James Cameron for. But then he comes out and says stuff like this and it's, it's, it's disheartening. And and look, I've never been on a press junket. I don't know how, you know, you get asked the same questions 900,000 times and, and people are hunting for this shit. And, 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 you know, you could, you could go at it this way too, of him being a little bit of a victim of being like, I've been talking about films for six hours to random people. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, you're probably going to get sick of either just being polite or like whatever. And you're gonna, you're going to say some shit now. I, has he responded at all? No, I don't think so. Because again, I, I don't, I, I, uh, you know, it's in the probably ca- being made more of a thing than it was. Yeah, exactly. And like articles are being written about, but you know, I don't think that James Cameron should ever even, even inadvertently try to define what a proper feminist icon is. And I don't, I, I think what happened was, is that I don't think just by reading it and by listening to a couple of others comments, I don't think he was intending to define feminism. I think he was just intending to say, you know, hey, he he I, likes a particular brand of feminism. No, I don't even think he was intending to define feminism. I think I'm not saying he's saying to define it. I'm yeah. saying he likes a, a specific style of it. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to talk about his films versus you know what he did in his films versus what those films, what Wonder Woman did, and and for all of that, uh, Stephen, in response to your question, uh, is Sarah Connor a feminist icon? Um, it, she is in a very particular way, which is Ripley th- is. I'm not sure if Sarah. 
Sarah Connor is. Now, I, no, I think no, so. To to me, what feminism is has to do with <laughs> yeah, this is the only podcast about two straight men talking, talking about, about feminism. feminism. Exactly. So apologies right away. Oh my, I'm so but, sorry. But but my my understanding of feminism is has to do with <laughs> equality. It's general is generalized equality. Right. That's the that, one I it, yeah. And it has to do with basically trying to um, look at our gender normal normalization as it, as it, as yes. we understand it. And in that regard, and rebalance yes. it. Yep. Um, in order to reach equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think in uh, what what I appreciate most about Sarah Connor is she feels like a fully fleshed out human being, hundred percent, which is a low bar to to mark for for fit for a feminist icon. Well, she's even beyond a full fledged. I mean, she she there's so many layers to Sarah Connor. I mean, she is literally a sociopath. Like she, she, I mean, granted she's been through hell and there's reasons why she has PTSD. She has, she's like, she's, she's not okay. Right. Uh, and, uh, L uh Linda Hamilton plays her beautifully. Mm. Uh, but, uh, so like there's, so there's fully fleshed out as far as a, a you know, a script and, a I, I think and, and a characterization standpoint, but then there's also the layers that she puts on it that sort of further along, like, Oh, this is a real, this is a, this could be, this is a real person. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think, um, you're right. Aliens kind of deals with femininity in a, in a, probably in a more interesting way than the Terminator franchise does in that, in that the alien queen, it becomes a story of, 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 um, motherhood and womanhood. Even beyond that too. I mean, you're, yes, you're hundred percent correct. But I also like, I would say Ripley has more, a full set, a fuller set of character traits that would you, that you as a person would want to uh, mirror than Sarah Connor does. Now, Sarah Connor's strong as fuck and resilient as hell, but like she also is I not I okay. I don't think um, being likable and good. I'm not talking about being likable. I'm talking about or being or being um, uh, fu fully functional is an inherent trait to, you know, no, because no, think, not, think about our male heroes who can be sociopaths as well. But what I'm saying is if from a, from a, um, I, I think we threw the word at what was like a sort of role model type thing. Yeah. The role, uh, that that's more of what I'm talking about here. Not, not what is a fully fleshed out character. Uh, no, no, yeah, icon. no, no, I, no. I think icon was when we were yeah, talking okay, about. Okay. Feminist okay. So, icon. So, so I think to Steven's question, um, is she a feminist icon? Now I think she could be interpreted as one. Sure. If you if you want to do that kind of reading, and there's no reason why she couldn't. Oh, be. I got it. I got it. I think she can be. Yeah. But because she's not built to be. Does that make sense? Right. So but I don't. I, I don't think Ripley is necessarily either. I think Ripley is Ripley, a fully fleshed sure, human sure. being. No, no, now we're now we're on the same page with both of them. I think at least in my brain because. The reason why you could consider them a femi feminist icons is because they're just designed to be full, deep, interesting characters that you know th what their motivations are, either clearly or not, but they feel like real people that are not just set dressing or bullshit. Like they're, they're fully fleshed out characters. And in that way, yes. Right. So, so I think that, that, um, probably just, I think, you know, again, the, 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 the comment, the way in which it came out, the, the kind of broader questions that this asks, you know, and I think, um, 
the the response generally has been is that sexuality can be part of feminism you know like and 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 that and and that seems to be the part that that james cameron missed in his um he didn't miss it he just chose not to do it he missed in his assessment of wonder woman yeah, he seemed know. to he seemed to couch that 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 sexuality meant that that she wasn't necessarily feminist, and I and I but think that was question. that was problematic. At, at what for point, readers? other than other than the fact that Gail Godot is is pretty, mm-hmm. when was she fucking super sexified? I think he, he, he said that she's a she's a classically objectified character, and there is case oh, that well, I, no look, Wonder Woman was developed by a dude who literally was was like full fledged into bondage. Hell, the original breaking point of Wonder Woman was if you could bind her behind her back and her gauntlets touched with her with their fucking lasso of truth, she would become completely submissive. That was canon in DC Comics, right? So she didn't come from a place. But what I love about Wonder Woman, I love that we're talking about this is that she the, the community and the people that that are fans of her have have sort of championed her and turned her into more than the sum of her parts and that is important to me and i think i think that's this other other side that james cameron isn't seeing i think again i think he's very clinical yeah. i think he's looking specifically at a film seeing something and saying i wouldn't have done it that way and in a very you know directorial you know big time director way kind of put his foot in his mouth and I, that's I, fine but but to his point and i think you know the 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 underlying note underneath the note kind of thing i think you know his point is that that his films aliens and terminator uh, terminator 2 do a better job of presenting a woman in a fully fleshed out manner than wonder woman does. i, I don't <laughs> exactly agree with that statement i think it's done very differently i think you can have sort of like yeah, uh, that's that maybe if yeah. you're just reading it but uh, but i guess maybe i'm couching that in that i think wonder woman is a much lesser film than than Term- and i think this will this will actually play into my what i would love to talk about in terms of terminator 2 right well wonder <laughs> i'll just end it yeah. with this wonder for terminator 2 is a better film than wonder woman yeah however we are not judging both films just based on their one character that we've discussed from each one. There are many moving parts that make Terminator two a better film. Okay. So there's, there's, it's a lot more complicated. It's, it's, it's a complicated thing. And we are, you know, I think we said this before as well is that you and I are bottom feeders and all of this, you know, we're like jumping on the clickbait and you know, we're, we were asked to in this case, but I think, you know, all of this is like someone said something and everyone's turning into something. Wait, else. Are you and, telling, are you telling me that people aren't, aren't <laughs> hanging on every word we say? I, I mean, you you know, I mean, look, listen, people, people are tweeting at me like you wouldn't believe right now about how much of a dick I am in terms of. Feminism. Oh, buddy. But, but, um, my quick, so my, 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 look, I, I stated earlier, <laughs> I love Terminator 2. I think it holds up marvelously. It is a, uh, from a, from a purely technical point of view, oh. it is amazing oh. to me that, that, that every time. There are 40, apparently 40, between 40 and 50 visual effects shots in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we live in a world now where every film has in the vicinity of 500 and up sure. visual effects shots. Every visual effect in this movie not only stands the test of time in terms of their um, their believability mm-hmm. today, 26 years later, they also still manage to make my jaw drop. And I, I was trying to think... Cl- analytically about why that is. Um, well, they and still I still haven't to, nailed down liquid metal the same way. 
Like they have it like in, in all the different movies with the Terminatrix and yeah, and then yeah. and then Terminator Genesis where they sort of reboot the timeline. It never looks this good. But but and and the, I think you would argue that it actually looks bitter in those films, but it's not as effective because the context with which it is presented is nowhere near as realistic or as interesting. No, I will I will I will one hundred percent empirically say <laughs> that if you put the scene where Ro- Robert Patrick morphs through the hole in the helicopter into the seat uh, against say the new T. 1000 getting shot in these abandoned shopping mall in Terminator Genesis mm-hmm. that the one in Terminator 2 intrinsically looks better. I, and, and, the, and the reason is, and it's, it's got to be a sort of maybe an uncanny valley thing, but at the same time that the, it's, it's not only what was technically available, but it's the, it's the way it was implemented and also the, the level of restraint taken and, that's, um, and i think that's what i mean when i say the context around the effect is is as important it's like so so for example when when the terminator morphs through the the prison cells right and he and he uh, and he just slides through there we have been set up the to bars that, yeah uh, uh, we've been set up to that moment by a couple of things first off there are other attackers coming for sarah and she cleverly you know without realizing that this person is there she breaks off the key and we there's a close-up of that key so that we know that no person can get through these doors sure and we don't quite know what the terminator is 1000 is about at this point. We yeah, kind, we, do. we kind no we we know that what he is, but we don't know exactly the parameters of what he can and can't do. Like like we we they have a whole scene setting it up. They you do, but then like for example, later on in the film he like uh, he flies through uh, onto a wall and automatically flips himself around. And that's not a parameter that we would understand. It's just something to be like, oh, he can do that as well. Well, no, it's, I think it's a parameter you, I mean, I 100% understood it by the time it did it. It, it was a neat So effect. you're saying every time he did something new, you were like, oh, of course he can do that. So when Arnold is riding the bike with John Connor <laughs> and they are talking about what the T-1000 is, they, they run down the gamut of what he can and can't do. He can form shapes. He can take the shape of people. He can make stabbing weapons. He can't become gun, guns or knives. Does that does that mean that you knew that he could morph into the floor? Yes. Really? You knew that because right he away. Could, because he could he could change himself into any shape or color with equal density. They talk about equal density right. and mass. But what I'm so saying it's a neat thing. It's a neat trick that I didn't think of. But when I saw it, I was never like, oh, my God, I can't believe he does that. I'm like, that's a cool trick with this power set. Okay, so then he goes through those bars, yep. and and that's like, oh wow, he can, you know, like uh, the parameters of of space as we understand it don't matter to him. Sure. And then he, but but the but then immediately he like knocks his gun against it, and yeah, his gun, he doesn't think about you know, it. You know, so like there's a, there's this sort of contextual thing where that it's like you get this sort of jaw dropping effect, and then you get this like little moment which like tells you the parameters of that effect, and I think it's really yeah. effective mm-hmm. in like in like making sure that we're always couched in discovery. That's what everything that that's why I yeah, think that's, yeah that's a good call. You, you know like so for example uh, when the um, when uh, the security guard is walking down the hallway and then he the security guard steps on the chicken floor and then he walks past and then all of a sudden the Terminator comes up out of it. Yep. That's a discovery for us. That's like oh shit he can also just slide into walls and stuff. He can just hide hide away sure. like that. Uh, when when um, he stabs uh, the 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 uh, uh, John Connor's foster father through the mouth with a with a blade. Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. There, there's a process of 
discovery that we as an audience have in that moment. It's like, oh, he can do that as well. Just like that moment, like uh, when he, in the fight with the T-800 and he gets flying against the wall and he immediately flips over, just morphs yep. himself back yep. over. It's like, oh, not, not only can he take shapes and stuff, he can be really quick and nimble because of this power. He gets punched in the face and it turns into, it morphs himself into grabbing Arnold's fists. You know what the closest thing uh, I've had to feeling this way about an effect or something like that is in Half-Life 2, huh. <laughs> the gravity gun. Oh yeah. You know, when, when you discover like, cause, the, and that's what it is. There's a process of discovery with sure. each new yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's why the effects in this hold up so well. I think that's an angle. Uh, I think it's an aspect. I, I, I still like, look, it's 26 years later. The technology has more, has, has evolved to a degree where, where to do what they're doing purely and simply today is far easier and there's a layer of complexity you can add to it but, but they haven't but, done it no no but the thing is the the effect is bitter but the context around the effect it's is not, it, is not, worse it's and this not is not about the right it's no, not about the writing it of is it. about it's 100 no, no, about the writing hold on it's, first of all the writing is an aspect the moments you said 100 percent that is all writing that that is coming across that's important but i'm talking about literally just looking at a morphing effect of from Terminator 2 versus a morphing effect of Terminator Genesis. Terminator 2 looks just the visual. I'm not talking about the flourishes and the writing and anything like that. Looks better. And 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 the, and I don't understand how that is. I think what I, the only thing I can equate it to is people trying new things and that's great. Like I want I don't want people to just keep doing the same shit over and over again. But like it, for whatever reason this is one effect that no film since then has gotten better at doing. And it's it, it you're look as far as why it works in the story and how it builds those sort of moments of discovery that you're talking about a hundred percent it's the writing it's the writing it's the writing but it boggles my mind in the day and it, you work in VFX like why can't they make it look as good I I I believe that it does actually look better now like I think the the visual effects in Terminator Genesis in terms of the morphing look better now but unfortunately we don't care. There's no process of discovery with it. There's no there's no sense of wonder or awe or discovery that comes with it, and that's why it doesn't look better. Like the morphing effect in and I, I there's a there's a great article today um, about an oral history of the visual effects team, and they go through almost everything that they did. The morphing effect um, in uh, Terminator uh, Terminator Two uh, when when he comes through the fire, I think is. It's it's a miracle that they pulled it off. You have to look at the technology. They had to create tool sets that yeah. didn't that that weren't even fathomable at the time. Um, so it's a miracle that they even did it. Mm -hmm. I think now you would pull that effect off and it would look a hundred percent better. And I think you can see you can see the scenes. But the reason why is the discovery that comes with it. It's the same reason why in Call of Duty or something like that, I don't care when I get a big grenade gun or a rocket launcher or whatever, but in Half-Life 2, a game that came out nearly, what, 10, 15 years ago now? You know, like the process of discovery that comes with the gravity gun still blows my mind, even though I know empirically the visual effects in a new game are much better, but the process of discovery with every effect are far more impressive. And I think, it's, 
I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it goes beyond it. I I, I, I really I, I literally they, believe I literally believe you could put it in. And actually, you know what? This might be an interesting thing that the person I, I went and saw this with Kristen, friend of the show. She was on the Warcraft episode, a couple others. Yeah. Uh, Kristen fight. She had never seen Terminator 2 before. Oh, my God. And that made my experience infinitely better. Just looking over and watching her, her reaction to a bunch of different stuff that what we're talking about, 100 percent like it's it's what you're saying with the small moments in the writing, etc. I would love to just show her literally any morphing scene without without a flourish, without the gun, whatever, like cut it off early or do whatever yeah. you want to do that. And then a, a scene from Terminator Genesis and be like, which one looks better? Because because to I your, honestly believe to your point, the visual effects as a fix are miraculous in this movie. They, and how come they hold up? How come those hold I up? I think I I think it's okay. So yeah. they're miraculous and and the point that I you know like I want to make as well is that they are the foundation for which visual effects are developed today. Sure. They built the tool set that make things happen today. But the reason they hold up is that they're surrounded within a context that is that is all about discovery. And I and I really believe that's, that's not why the pure visual works. They though. are excellent. They're excellent effects. They're really really excellent effects. They 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 work wonderfully. They are, they are massively conceived and they are. And, and the thing that's amazing about them is they're conceived within the context of the story that they're in. So they're not like things don't just happen for the sake of happening. You know, they happen because, because, you know, like, even though this was the most expensive film of its time, I think the budget was $92 million or something like that. Um, there's a reason why every shot is there. Yeah. Like they're, they're telling a specific part of the story and, and they, and they work to continually build up information Mm -hmm. around it. So they are jaw dropping. And I think I, but, but, you know, just fundamentally, I agree with you that they do look just in the same way that the, the effects in Jurassic Park still look good. Like, you know, they, they do look excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, but I would, I, I would just, you know, urge to say the, the, the dinosaur of the pure one-to-one relationship of effects between say Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. The Jurassic World effects are better. There is more that you can do with the actual lighting. There's more that you can do with the actual musculature. There's more that you can do in terms of the 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 processing of movement now than you couldn't do then. But the movie is better at giving you moments that actually hold up. Now, they still look it. It's not like we're not comparing like um, rudimentary effects like in King Kong in the original King Kong movie from sure. 1937 or something like that, where you can see the stop motion animatic or anything like that. These are still high level effects. Again, I'm not arguing that it the, the, the scripting and the reason why and the whole basically the whole hodgepodge of stew that makes a film good or bad is not at play here. Of course it is. But like, for instance, you want to do the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World analogy. Th- that that to me this and this uh oh hot take uh so Terminator 2's visual effects without even all of the the spiciness that you're talking about in script and whatever are better than Terminator Genesis now the the effects in Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World I would argue that the effects in Jurassic World are better than in Jurassic Park and they are yeah but 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 they're, but, they're, but, but I don't and, care but this is the thing and do you, do you know the actual because I don't do you know the actual process they use to make the T one thousand and T two. Uh, yeah, I have the, so the article is the oral history of the Terminator 2 visual sure. fix, and you can read through, which goes through pretty, in some pretty fine detail, the, the actual, uh, writing of programs that were created in that. So, so the programs that they use to make that stuff for whatever reason mm-hmm. has a more tactile 
and 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 lived in and realistic for especially the film that they were making uh the, uh, better well, okay, okay one thing that could could be couched in why you think that is is that uh, for example they had to render the those um those for example today when we work in uh digital effects we render at 4k for you know and yep. we can actually create a render at 4k yep. uh which would in 1991 or 1989 when this film was coming out to do a render at 2k which is the project the the, yep. the actual projection of cinema at the time would be ludicrous so they would do it at 1k and then scale it up and then not only that the film was actually shot on film so it would have that that filtering process would have to be then project you know shot onto film and then added to so there is there is a way to suggest that perhaps the optical it feels real the optical effects of combining but that's something that we do now as well in visual effects that's something that we take into account to account for I know. now and i'm not saying that oh in 91 it was the pinnacle and never nothing's ever gotten better no i'm literally just saying that for whatever reason whatever process they did whatever fucking dark magics they had to, to make deals with the devil to make it happen the the liquid metal portion, and then we should move on, uh, just still holds up, still looks better than any liquid metal I have seen in any film ever made till then. And I bet you it has a lot to do with the process that you're talking about. With with maybe it's just something, and again, maybe I I mean, this is obviously opinion, but like for me, maybe it is something that having to do with the entire thing you just said, how it had to be projected back onto film and that made it feel sort of lived in and like just sort of realistic where this other stuff, all that stuff is still being done. It's just done all in a computer. So like, it was still being done in a computer back then. I think. I think to the. But point, then you even said they projected it onto film, and then they had to marry had, those two things. They together. They had to do a, a print yeah, back. They're on not the film. doing that now. Well, no, because there's no film. That's but, what I'm saying. But there's something. There's something. There's something to whatever magic stew or process that they did that made it just the best for me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but but see, here's that thing I wanted to say about it as well is like why why does it feel that way. Why do you think that feels that I way? I literally just said that. I think it feels that way because You just of, said it was magic stew. Because of the pro <laughs> I'm calling the process that they did the magic stew. Right. Uh the, the how for whatever reason the technique and the technical acumen that they did in that process makes the effect and the whole thing look better and feel more real than whatever they are doing today. And, and you, you don't think that that has to you 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 don't think necessarily it has to do with the context around which these scenes are written. You don't listen to me when I, I talk. I'm asking you that. I literally have agreed with you like five times of course it all helps it all builds upon the thing that makes this movie a masterpiece there is no question that the context of these scenes we are talking about gain an incredible amount of strength due to the things that are around them or the little flourishes that they put in with the writing etc i have said this already but again i will go back because this is not getting through and i want to move on if you take all that away and you just look at one little liquid ball versus another little liquid ball, the one from 91 looks more real. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, we'll move on if, that, if that's what you want to do. Um, I, I, let's, talk I, about, let's talk about more of the story <laughs> stuff than these little things that, you'd like, that you're bringing up that I think have such a stronger feeling in, in the rest of the film. I think, I think um, yeah. In all so, aspects, in all aspects of the film, not yeah, just the effects. Yeah, in all aspects of the film, it, it fundamentally works. And, and I think the thing to, to remember as well is that, is that this isn't like a pure 
I'm doing this because I want to tell a bit of story kind of scenario. You know, James Cameron was offered a lot of money to write this <laughs> script. And he was basically coming off the abyss, which was, which really underperformed at the box office. Um, and, and just from a visual effects point of view as well, one thing that, that was interesting is, is the abyss was kind of the testing ground yep. for the liquid middleman with the, the, the liquid pitapod that was in the abyss. But in the abyss, they kind of did it in one scene and were like, well, if this doesn't work, we can just cut this scene out. And so they were kind of stacked in Terminator. They kind of said, well, we did it in that one scene. Now we're going to do it in the whole film and we're going to commit to it the whole way through. Um, but to, to, to that point, remember that this is not a, a non-cynical kind of uh, point where, where uh, you know, like he's doing it for the love of it or anything like that, or he's got something unique to say about this. He's being offered a lot of money. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the biggest movie star on the planet. This is the movie that made him famous. He's being offered the, the biggest budget in the world to do this. So what's amazing about that mm -hmm. is that that is essentially the equation that we get in modern films today when you're being asked to do a sequel to a popular franchise yet in amongst that he maintains not he he doesn't he doesn't just have something to say he expands upon the things that he was saying in Terminator 1. Now, remember, the, the foundation of Terminator is anxiety about nuclear war. It's anxiety about, about the, the possibility of the species entirely destroying itself. You know, sure. John Connor says, we're, we're destined to do this, aren't we? He says, and, and the Terminator says, it's in, within your nature to destroy each other. This is the anxiety that the entire series is, is, is built upon. The and, first two, yeah. Yeah, and he takes that and he and he still builds that into a narrative like he doesn't just abandon that this film the ending of this film you know is basically saying we can avoid this if we want to. There's an, there's an optimism to the end of this film. It is, it is, and, and, and in amongst that as well is this horror of what that means. It's not just an idle threat. The scenes of the nuclear Holocaust that, mm. that are in this film are horrific in a way that, that, that is almost indescribable. And it's funny because in Terminator three, they almost have the exact same scene. Not effective. And, and it's not effective. And I would say it's not effective for the same reasons, which is that it's not, anchored by a performance by, of Linda Hamilton, who is the, the Cassandra character in this film. She has seen the future and is, and is belittled because of it. Um, but, but when we see her vision and we see her flesh being torn away and we see children basically burning to the ground, it's not just, it's not just, you know, like, oh, that's a really good effect. It's a case of, that really tells me exactly why you know Sarah Connor is so traumatized right now and why she needs to do what she needs to do it's it, and it's something that no other film gets and so the miraculous thing about this film in its writing and its execution is that this is, film is designed to be a money maker it's a franchise it's a it's a franchise build but it takes what was was implicit in the first movie and makes it explicit and does it without having to say, you know, it does it without being pedantic. It does, it does it without being pious. It doesn't, it does it still through the talent of, of that something James Cameron does very well, which is um, storytelling through action. It's something that we talked about in Mad Max. It's something that we've talked about a lot. Well, it's funny. So let's bring up Mad Max because we do. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why this film does that. And it's because it is oddly enough. And I do believe this, whether you'd like James Cameron or not, 
it's an auteur sort of piece. Yes, it's the biggest thing, and yes, it's whatever, but for whatever reason, he had still complete control over the damn thing, and he could tell whatever story he wanted to do, so he took the opportunity that a lot of people, maybe some people might phone it in, he, he didn't, and then they, the studio trusted him enough to not get in his fucking way, but now when we have big budget movies, oh my god, it is not just what they, we've talked about this before. They get fresh faces off of great indies so they can control them. So they don't have a James Cameron that they can't say no to, or that can't say no to them. Like, so like the, Mad Max is a perfect example of that because, because again, this is Miller's vision. Like it's, it, it's his world and he's doing it. And that's that. Now I'm not saying that works out a hundred percent of the time, every time, but I bet you, if you took, talented people and you said you have control like one talented person versus even if you have like six talented people i'm I'm even saying these people are talented i don't think all these in this scenario would be but like six talented people and then like maybe three useless people like the one that's just one person who's talented and in control is gonna make a better product than this weird by committee oh god we have to deal with sam's cousin because he's the fucking studio heads and whatever like it's just like it's there's too much muck at this point when it comes to huge budgets and i love that this thing existed in a time that this there this is the largest film ever made and you know what we're gonna trust this guy james fucking cameron to to take arnold fucking schwarzenegger and make the greatest action movie of all time that is i mean it's still it's still excellent and we can get into why well the the little exercise i did was that i took uh i went through imdb and i pulled up basically analogous films that have come out since 1991 and i just wrote scribbled down the names of films of note that i thought came you know like that were of interest you know like maybe you know because it's obviously unfair to say to compare terminator 2 to american beauty or it's unfair to compare terminator 2 to 12 years a slave or something like that is it though why? I, I think in terms of like where the, the the level of operation that those films work on, I think it's unfair to to suggest that they're uh, and, and directly analogous. I don't. I, and I'm not I, well, following. May, may, maybe it's a maybe for me it's a filtering process. So I'm not you know trying to say you know because there are films that have come out since Terminator Two that I adore, and I don't you know like they can just be different kinds of films. What I did want to okay. do was look at ki- the kinds of films that 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 Terminator 2 is analogous to since the release, you know, like big visual effects driven films that, sure. that are summer releases that are designed to bring in a popcorn. And that's that point I was trying to make earlier, which is that this is not like uh, uh, an affair of the heart or something like that. You know, like there's a lot of money behind Terminator 2. There's a lot riding on this. People are still invested in this movie, making money. It's got one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. People are throwing money left, right and center to make this movie. So I pulled up, all of these movies uh, between now, and I would love if you took a second to look through them. And I, I, my theory is this: there are a couple of movies uh, since 1991 that I think are excellent movies that 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 work yeah, in the same what's way. The, what's the list? It's it's the list of movies since then. I think Terminator Two, if you released it any summer, any year since 1991 to today, it would be a better film than every movie that came out that year. Okay. And, and, and I'm, that's the thing I wanted to like get into is like, why does this film feel so relevant? Why does it hold up? Why does it outpace every blockbuster that, that we are, that we're seeing today? I think this is a common complaint that I have on the podcast. I I honestly feel like it is, um, 
It is the reason sort of that I said it before. It's it's literally a very talented person's vision that is allowed to follow through and through from beginning to end what the actual story is. Um, and, and I think it sort but, of but, goes from a level of talent. I mean, it reads some off to me. I'm not going to read through that entire long ass list. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, Kill Bill. Okay. Why, why is Terminator 2 better than Kill Bill? Yeah. Does do you think Terminator Two is a more fictive film than Kill Bill? Yes, it is, okay. is more effective. But like, I mean, all these answers are going to be yes. But I feel like it's all the same reasons. And and I think, I mean, I have a whole a whole sort of I have a whole why does it still work section in my notes, uh, which might answer some of this stuff. Okay, I, I don't quite know. But but again, I, I'd be hard pressed even just glancing at your list to pick something that I think is an all around better film. Mad Max Fury Road is close. Yeah. So there's a couple for me that are close and the ones that are close for me are minority report. Oh, no uh, fucking way. I love minority report. Children of men, children of men. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Um, heat, which came out a few years later, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park. Of course. um, cabin in the woods, conjuring yeah, Mad I mean, Max I Fury Road. Cabin in the woods. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. those are the, those are the films that I would kind of put, but like, most of the films that have come out, most of the big films that have come out in the last 26 years haven't held up to time or two. Okay. Here's my first reason why. Okay. Uh, I think it's because I'm going to go back to nine year old me. Okay. Uh, it is because Terminator two is more than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. It is a film that yes. What genre is it? It's an action movie. It has a big budget. It has time travel. So it's sci-fi. Great. Uh, there's lots of those. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's better than all of the other ones that fall into that genre is the the level of I mean, again, I always go back to this, but character development and care of how a the story unfolds to these characters that you eventually you, you very quickly become attached to. Uh, it's all again. This is where this is where I feel like the stuff you're talking about. And again, it does still play into the visual effects stuff. There's no question. But this is where I feel like that stuff is far more apt when a film takes these moments, liquid metal T1000 going through prison bars and his gun gets stuck because he didn't think of it. Because why would he like there's little things. Things like that that make the world itself just feel in these fantastic situations feel real. And you take that level of the cake and you go one higher and you then get to the point where it's about, again, what you talked about before. It's 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 yeah, it's silly. It's a time traveling robot sent back in time to kill a kid who's going to be the leader of resistance against the war against them. OK, like calm the fuck yeah, down. It's, it's, silly. it's silly as hell. And if you keep track of the movies, the timeline is so broken now, it doesn't even matter. Um, but then you take that and you then not you take a silly premise and you put this legit sort of um, narrative and an undercurrent of nuclear Holocaust and what that actually means and showing it in a meaningful and visceral way. Then then you're like, oh, like this steps it up a level. This is an action movie. But you know what? This is actually you could you could take this further. It could be having a little bit to do with politics. It could be actually a human a human sort of not rights, but I'm trying to think of like the, the, the proper terminology for it. Just like um, I think I think are you trying to say that it's relevant it's, it's re relevant. It's relevant, but it's relevant beyond what it was built to be. 
that's sort of my point about it. And because it, okay, so it has a ton of different, le- the story itself, yes, it's about like nuclear holocaust. There's no question. That's, yeah. that's, 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 or that's the core. But it's also a story, for instance, about bucking fate. Okay, so the, the whole thing is, uh, you know, the future's not set. There's no fate, but we make what we make for ourselves. Uh, and again, even though the newer films have sort of tried to ruin it, let's stick with Terminator 2. <laughs> um, so th- there's so many tales about the chosen one. Right. Yeah. There's so many tales about like, oh, this person's destined Luke, whatever Darth Vader, Anakin's going to bring balance to the four. Like, you know, chosen one, chosen one, chosen one. It's a classic trope. There's nothing wrong with it. But the thing that makes this sort of special is even though John is the target of a machine from the future sent to kill him because he's going to be the general, he's not a chosen one. They never put Sarah. Sarah Connor was a waitress before all this nonsense happened to her. Like she she's there's no there's no like. Sarah, you've been fated to raise jo- like that's not what this movie is about. This is instead we're presented with no one as a destined one. We're, we're they're just forced into it based on the time and they're going along with things the best these characters possibly can. And the, the entire series is based around the fact that anything can change and no one is really special. Like John's don't, only don't special. You think, don't you think the entire series is based on the idea that John is the chosen one? John is not the chosen one. John is just a skilled jet. So the difference is this is where time travel comes in because John is not. No one in the past said this little boy is going to save humanity. Oh, the only this is where follow me down this weird rabbit hole. Okay, I'm following. Uh, only people from the future have said that. And since they are from the future, that is not prophecy. He is not prophesized. He is not the chosen one. He just happens to be the guy that is the right man for the job. It's a way the character is an important character is presented and it can only be done like this in a time travel type film. No, there's never uh, like these characters like uh, Anakin Skywalker. He's all about he's the destined to be the one. He's probably the one who's the chosen one who's going to bring balance, blah, 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 that it was written in tomes ages ago, like all these sort of hero myths and stuff like that of these characters that are that are that are that are just no matter what, they're going to persevere and come through. But you know what? This movie, what it does, another sort of aspect of it the t-1000 or any of these terminators could have gone back and won like it 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 never feels like when you when you're said to someone a character in the beginning of a film like harry potter or whatever is like the chosen one or he's he's the i forget what the terminology of that sort of is Mm -hmm. right i'm never thinking he's gonna die without winning but when i saw this when i when when you're in these films for whatever reason because john and sarah are not presented in that way there is a sense of weight the whole thing is about how fate doesn't matter right. like so there can't be a chosen one <laughs> anyway that's one aspect of it that's that's just one slice of this weird little pie that i'm going to just interject and say i disagree that that the film doesn't present john as the chosen he's one he's not I, because I, of how it how how the actual narrative the, goes the the construction of it is slightly different to say how a star wars does it and how a, a is harry john does it but the film literally opens with you know if you go back to terminator one michael being saying your 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 unborn child is the leader of the resistance and i was sent back to protect you in order to protect him but you're not following what a actual prophecy or what someone being chosen is you can't have that because that literally there's a there's a a flipping of it because of the the time travel element that's why but but, but and John fact, is central to the and resistance. the fact that what is more central to that is there's no fate but what we make for ourselves. Therefore, there cannot be a chosen one. I think that's what's clever about Terminator Two in that in that the the third act of Terminator Two when they decide to basically go on blow the, up Skynet or they go on up, uh, Cyberdyne. They go on the Adolf Hitler mission, you know, the, of time travel. You yeah. know, basically, can we can we kill the person um, that that causes the destruction? Miles I, Dyson. I She's think, gonna blow him away. I think what's what 
what's ingenious about um, is a, uh, about that third act is that it takes a turn that is logical to the film, but breaks what we think what the direction that we think the film is going to go. I still think that the film still still um, trades in the historically central one per cho- you know Jesus Christ kind of oh, central fuck figure. No. No, I think it does. Nope. He's still the one child. He's still central to this thing. He's he's, still- he's a main character that is going to do something important in the future. Yeah, that's not the chosen one. If he, <laughs> it, to be honest, like, and this is the this is the interesting thing about it. The, the world that the Terminator series puts out there. If John Connor dies, yeah, Skynet might win for a while, but then someone else could just come up. Like, it's not like right. But I don't think any film has posited any. No, of but the, no the Terminator- film has also called him caused called him the chosen one. Probably not by name. That's but I think, my point. But but hang on. But but he's still a central prophet, you know, he's like Neo. He's, he's, he's like Luke no, Skywalker. He's central no. to the, oh. he's central to the narrative. He's central I, listen, to the narrative, listen. but he's not, he's not literally other characters aren't like, Oh, he, he's the chosen one. He's destined to beat the machines. Literally like, Michael Bean from Terminator says those words. He's not, <laughs> he's not destined because the information is coming from the future. A prophecy is something I, that someone has foreseen in the past. I, I, I will, I, I mean, look, I think I think the way in which the information is presented kind of flips it on its head in some way. But John is still the core reason. Like there are two Terminators sent back to kill this character, not any other character. This particular because character. that's the way history happened to play out. Yes. Okay. But how does that not? Yeah, anyway, that, we're, that, we're talking in circles. Not, we're not going. We're literally not going <laughs> to convince each other. This is, I'm sure, getting boring. So, so <laughs> let's just let's just. I'll back it up a little bit and say this: the way that the narrative of John Connor is structured in this world, where fate actually you can change it, is very interesting and not a normal thing in movies like this. I, I will agree that the the time travel element does flip it around somewhat, but he's still. So it's 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 a it's a film on certain levels about bucking fate, and that is important to a piece of its longevity. Another piece is it's a story, and a little bit more minorly so, but it is a story about forgiveness. So like Sarah, right, is raising John Connor and trying to teach him to become this great military leader because that's what you know whatever. That's what she's been told. That's what that, she's been told. Yeah. So, uh, but then it turns out that, you know, cause everyone who heard this would think that she's crazy. They lock her up in a mental institution. And John even has a great thing where he's talking to Budnick from salute your shorts. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, it turns out she's a huge wacko. And she's like, oh yeah, you, you didn't know kid too bad for you. Like, like the basically putting him in a foster home after he's learned nothing but like military tacticianship and how to run guns. Right. Like this is not a normal childhood. And now he has to try to acclimate. So then when eventually, you know, the, the T 1000 comes and the shit's hitting the fan, he has to, he decides to go rescue his mom because even though he's he, in his mind before this point, when he sees that all this is real, she's fucked him over. And now he's like, Oh my God, like she's correct. Everything she's told is and, and now, and now like it's a, it's sort of a level of forgiveness, almost the same to the fact that of Sarah's arc with miles Dyson, because right. she at first goes on murderous rampage to try to kill him thinking it'll stop Skynet. But then she realizes she's literally attacking a man for something that he hadn't done yet. And what are the moral ramifications of that? And, and then through sort of him working with her, et cetera, et cetera, there's a level of forgiveness between like those two characters. There's, there's just a lot of like people 
thinking the world works one way and then having right at the brink of like literally like pulling down on the weight of a trigger and with someone's head and then being like, fuck, no, this is wrong. And coming to sort of a realization about how people are more than the sum of their parts and how forgiveness actually can move things more forward than you think it can. You know, one of the I think one of the the beautiful it's an example of beautiful writing uh, is the scene after the Piscadero uh, hospital chase. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, uh, John goes in for they're in the back of a police car. John goes in for a hug and and we think that or Sarah goes in for a hug with John and we think that, you know, oh, she's, you know, like her maternal instincts are coming but back. But it's into, not. And she and she searches, you know, like she she's basically searching for bullet holes for any cuts. For yep. the, you know, She still believes the things that she believes and she's not willing to like release the kind of um, maternal instincts that she think will she thinks will put John in danger. And it's this beautiful moment where you realize that that the thing that she's searching for is a mother and the thing that she's searching for is still to be the mother of the leader of the of the yeah. resistance. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's just a, cause it's, a, it's done without like them having a conversation about yep. it. Everything you need to know about that exchange. You happens. want, you want some of my fries? Uh, no. Yeah. She doesn't even respond. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just an example of beautiful writing. And I think, and I think to your point about this idea that the film is is complicating the idea of fate that is something that is implicit in the first film is that it opens up this third act to like a what if yeah. the first the first film is basically 12 monkeys la jete it's the yep. it's the idea of the circular loop um the second film is about breaking that loop yeah. and i think it does it in an interesting way it's also a story and we we're talking about aliens and an alien about motherhood it's, it's so it's a story kind of about fatherhood the terminator is clearly obviously a metaphor for a non-existent like real father figure for john of course that's you know the vo in tells an insane about, world he's the yeah, it's the sanest choice. I mean, th- that, that, oh God, that whole fucking monologue is beautiful. Just mm-hmm. like uh, talking about like Sarah, how she's, I mean, Sarah is having a hard time with this too, because this is the face of the thing that hunted her now protecting the thing that was hunting originally. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful kind of challenging narrative, you know, yeah. like to actually put your character in that position. But it's just so interesting because like, so you see John's foster parents and they seem fine, but they're not going to live up to this, this, this pinnacle of what, what, what actually John kind of needs in this machine. Like, and also, Oh, uh, and also it's, it's a different sort of, uh, dynamic too, than we're used to in these sort of paternal stories, because yes, you have the Terminator who's like the, the protector who's never going to be too busy to spend time with him. or won't get drunk and hit him as she sort of says in this monologue, but also you have John, teaching the Terminator how to be more human to, yeah, teaching by and, humanity. And there's something to that where now, now John, uh, the Terminator is obviously the sort of strong masculine, like part of fatherhood, but John is actually and more of an anal- uh, uh, um, analogy for the teaching of a actual child to the Terminator. Yeah. And it's this beautiful sort of intermingling of that, that really, uh, that really hits home and you don't get to see in stories kind of outside of this a lot. So that's a huge, thing side note Mm -hmm. so the the version of the film that was in 3d uh by the way 3d it's not worth seeing but but i mean that's neat you're like oh that's cool but like every 3d movie you forget that it's 3d five minutes into it and you don't care i hate to Uh, say it to james cameron but stop trying to make 3d hit thing i know it's not gonna be a thing um but um but it is worth seeing terminator 2 3d in the theater because you get to see terminator 2 in the theater that's that's what i will say but so they chose the version of the film that i after seeing this deleted scene i couldn't believe they took it out 
ever in, in any cut of the film. And that is when they are hiding in the garage after they get away from Pescadero. And uh, there's in the original version of the film, there's a throwaway line being like, uh, why do you have to be so weird or whatever? And he's like, well, I learn when I'm around people. He's like, oh, so you can be more human. He's like, yeah. And then after that moment, it's all questions from the Terminator. It's all things like it, it's, he's just acting a little, like a little bit too different after just like one night in a thing. And the scene they cut out um, is a scene where, uh, they're repairing, like uh, they're repairing each other. The Terminator's sewing up Sarah Connor, and Sarah Connor's pulling bullets out of the Terminator, and uh, they have a conversation about, well, why, why can't you learn? He's like, well, when we're put out into the field, our our neural net processors are put into safe mode, so we don't like become too. So basically, he's saying so we don't go native, right? Uh, and so they're like, well, can we? John's like, can we switch it? And he's like, yeah, but you have to take it out. So they take it out. The, they work on this whole thing and the VFX are neat in it and whatever. It doesn't even matter. Uh, there's a cool scene with the mirror. There's a lot of visual trickery. Do you want to know a really cool like lo-fi effect that was done there? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can tell. I know what? it, but tell them for the people. Oh, what, what was your one? What? No, it's the, it's the, uh, I forget, but the, the angle of the mirror with how Arnold was talking about, is that what you're saying or what? No, Sarah Con- uh, Linda Hamilton actually has a twin sister. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's and right. She's actually playing her in, in the opposite, yeah. on the opposite side. Yeah. So, which so, I think is rad. so the, but then the second that they take the chip out, Sarah Connor puts it on a table and grabs a uh, wrench or a mallet and goes to smash it because she still doesn't trust the Terminator. John jumps over the chip. She almost hits John. They have a big altercation and John finally convinces her that they need this Terminator. There's a lot of things that happen here. One, you get a reason why the Terminator starts acting a little goofy and weird and starting to become a little more human. And that's important to the narrative for me Two, you get to the point where John says something along the lines of like, how am I supposed to be this great military leader? If no one ever fucking trusts me. And that sort of shatters Sarah Connor's sort of belief system of like, it go. that's where she goes from just checking him for bullet holes to kind of being like, no, like I need, this is an actual child of mine and an actual human being, not just the thing that's going to save us. So there's all this shit rolled into this five, minute scene that I feel is very crucial. This version of the film didn't have it as well. It, it, um, and, and that, uh, ever since seeing that scene, whenever I watch versions of it without that scene, I'm always just like, Ooh, like I get cutting down for runtime, but like, there's a, so much to unpack that you just tried to save with one line. And if you didn't know that existed, it works, but knowing it exists, uh, I gotta say, I'm kind of, uh, I, I think the scene, there are other scenes in the film that have been, uh, there's one controversial scene that was cut out, uh, very smartly. So which one are you talking uh, about? The very final scene where Sarah Khan is in a park. Oh, fuck that scene. Yeah, yeah, that scene. Fuck that scene. Needs to come out. Yeah. Uh, I am not mad at this scene not being there because I think a lot of what you say it needs to happen, you know, in terms of that information, that just happens through action. I, I don't think it's a terrible scene. It doesn't really happen through it. Like, but, we get but it, I, but we don't have a reason why it's happening. I, I don't think it's a terrible scene, but I don't actually need it to for the story to move forward it's just every character starts acting differently than they did before and you don't quite know why there's one piece of information that's in that the the extended version that isn't in the original version and the taking of that out just makes the rest of it work for me and that's when he says my my cpu's in read-only mode that's not something that's in the theatrical cut they just kind of say yeah. well that's, so they, well, that's she, the reason she, they take she, the i think out. at some point she uh, uh, he Safe asked mode. her 
Uh, yeah, so that information is not in the theatrical yep. cut. So there's no there's no distinction between read only and that thing. I think to, I think at one point he asks, "Can you learn things?" And he goes, "I'm constantly acquiring data." Um, but that's it. It's not like you know I'm in read only mode or anything like that. And I, for me, that's all I need to know. Well, now that, it's that, a, it's that a kind it's not of a saves two, one bit of it, but it doesn't for me anyway. It doesn't save it, the other stuff. Well, the other Sarah thing. And John. The, well, the Sarah and John thing for me works in the scene in the fact that he comes to he comes to stop her from killing Miles Dyson and convince her that there's another way. And I think that's where she kind of appreciate for me, I get that information. Now I'm not saying that it's not in the, the extended but scene. She, well, hold on. She doesn't kill Miles Dyson on her own. And then they show up. No, she's stopped by, she, she, she decides not to. And then he convinces her that there's another way. Right, right. But she stops. She does not kill because him. she doesn't want to kill a kid. You know, like his, his, Miles Dyson's kid jumps on top. Well, no, she gone. sees that there's, there's an actual man behind this monster that they've painted and she collapses into a corner and then the Terminator and John Connor walk in. Right. But, but there's a kid there that jumps in front of, in front yeah, of but yeah, she has a clean shot. Like it's not, it's the kids just there. Like, don't shoot my daddy. That's really, then it sort of makes, well, it makes, it's not about shooting the kid in my opinion. It's no, it's about, not about shooting the kid. It's about, it's about Shooting, realizing shooting, shooting, shooting father. someone's father. Yeah. I think, I think I, I agree that that scene does all that work. I just don't think, I, I think that information comes through anyway. And to me, also, I will say that there's a um, John Connor, like if there's any weak link in the film and he's not that weak, it's Eddie Furlong. Yeah. And the more that Eddie Furlong has to have those kinds of speeches, the less I'm kind of well, convinced. Well, he he's just become a little dated. We actually had an exercise after we watched this movie. We're like, man, could you imagine if this movie was came out today, like the first time or whatever? And when, so when, when John Connor's in the car teaching Arnold like words right after they leave that garage, like, oh, you can't just say affirmative. You gotta yeah. be like, chill out. Or yeah. you can do combinations of chill out with Dick Wad, like yeah. that sort of shit. Could you imagine the garbage that like, and this is me coming off as an old man, but could you imagine the garbage that like, he, like current day John Connor would be teaching the Terminator? Like it would be like about dabbing and like emojis and like what the fuck was on fleek. Like, it's just like the wording of it just like, so while John Connor feels dated, I feel like any sort of young character in that would also feel dated. Now, Eddie Furlong hams it up. Yeah. Like there's no question, but and I just find playing, that exercise. He's playing in the world of yeah. 1990. You know, he's playing in the, in the Bart Simpson world of 1991. Yeah. Um, Eat my shorts. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's that kind of understanding of, yeah. you know, rebellious youth. Yeah. Um, my, so my, oh, sorry. Then, then the last thing, just to sort of put the, the cap on my sort of reasons why I think this film is special and why it still stays sort of true and good. It's a story about, again, and there's a lot of stories like this, but you don't really expect this to sort of hit his home in a popcorn action film. It's a film of, about love and sacrifice, like right. in, in the face of weird, weird, huge adversity. So it's like the Terminator was first programmed to give its life for John. But then as the film progresses, it becomes more human and then chooses to sacrifice himself for a in a, in a way that before he had that interaction. And honestly, for me anyway, and I know yeah. it's fine for different people. But before that chip was switched and he could do that, he that that wasn't even fathomable. So the change and the the type of sacrifice he was willing to make, the, the meaning behind that sacrifice is completely different and there's a whole thing of growth there. Sarah's willing to give her life to protect J John to stop Judgment Day. That's a given. And then Miles chooses to sacrifice. I mean, this is a sort of smaller going down the spectrum. Miles chooses to sacrifice his professional life and his actual life in the end to yeah. stop what he thinks is going to be his fault. So there's so so it just in summation of all of those things. Very rarely does one film pull one of those things off. Totally believable. Mm -hmm. This film does all of those things 
in all of its pieces with all of its mastery from all of its uh, all of its you know piece all of the the people that were involved in making this film it pulls off all of those and never misses a fucking beat if the only thing we can really like if we're like oh that doesn't feel right is is furlong sort of bart simpson-esque character yeah we're doing okay yeah and this none of the films on this list that you've compiled you can say that about all of them they all have some sort of fault or two to them whether that's where the auteurism came from if there was some committee shit if there was a weak moment in writing if there was just a perfunctory third act like there's a lot of just different things i'm seeing on this list and Terminator doesn't suffer from any of that and shines in so many ways that you don't expect a movie in this genre to do. And I would say, looking at this list, the only film that comes close, you know, is a recent film. That's Mad Max Fury know, Road, unfortunately, and, so and Jurassic Park. Those are the yeah. those are the three. Like, you know, I, I uh, Heat is another one that I absolutely adore sure. and I think, you know, does that as well. I think, you know, like I was thinking about my favorite scenes from the movie to, to surmise why I think this film is effective. And and when I think about my my three favorite scenes in this movie none of them have anything to do with visual effects. Yeah. The th- my three fa- absolute favorite scenes in this movie. And, and, and I think, you know, this is going to couch why I think this movie sustains itself so well, not despite being a visual effects heavy movie, but also compounded with the fact that sure. it is an extraordinarily visual, extraordinary visual effects movie is my, the first one is when Sarah sees the Terminator for the first time. It, 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 you know, she's in the, oh, yeah. and she falls backwards. And this woman that we have just seen obliterate an entire hospital staff, you know, with wits, with strength, with power, with, it, with, uh, windshield washer, fluid. with windshield washer fluid, you know, or like, Windex. um, is just reduced to a shrieking mess. Yep. She's just like, this is the, the horror of her dreams, you know, like come to life again. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, it's a perfect, it's an example of what, why this film is good is that it maintains its, 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 its belief in character. And, and the, the <laughs> second one is, is to the point that you made, which is about, it is actually about something. So the idea of sacrifice and the idea of sacrifice in the face of our, our instincts, you know, like, like, and so there, there's a couple of examples of that, but the one that's important to me, the one that I feel is the most heartbreaking, the one that works the the best is Miles Dyson sacrifice mm-hmm. when he decides that, you know, look, everything I've been working my entire life towards everything that I am about, every excitement that I had about this project is now meaningless. And not only is it meaningless am I, as in, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to go actively out of my way to prevent this from happening because why would and destroy you? my life in the process? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like the, the question, if you could tell Hitler that you are the reason why this many people would die, would you be, you know, it'd be kind of amazing if Hitler turned around and said, shit, I can never let this happen. And that's like this beautiful little moment because, because for Sarah, she has always thought that, 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 you know, like this man is just, you know, like, and she says it, she couches it in terms of like masculinity. She's like men like you built the hydrogen bomb. You thought it'd be a good idea, Mm -hmm. but like, look where it took us. And, and so what, what's important here is that the film is deeply pessimistic about, about humanity, you know, the, the shot of the children, like, oh you know, shooting at each other. And John looks at them and says, we're kind of fucked. You know, we're doomed, aren't we? And they can't says, even agree on who shot each other first. Right. Yeah. You, I shot you, I shot you. And he says, and the Terminator, you know, just using some, some book or something that it's probably learned at some point in its databases, it's in your nature to kill each other. It's in your nature to destroy yourselves. And 
So it's a deeply pessimistic view. And again, the nuclear holocaust is not like just some idea in this film. It is, it is visualized in a, in a terrible way. Um, but it is also an, an eternally optimistic film about how much we can change that. So it's actually, it's pessimistic about what we are as a, as a species bound to do, but it's optimistic about people making the right choices. The future is not set. And and I think, you know, like Mad Max Fury Road has that same sentiment mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's that same sense of sacrifice. And then we, when, when I think of the film in those terms and I anchor it in those ways, you know, other moments become, you know, beautiful. Like for example, when Arnold, uh, when the T-800 decides to go out uh, in the middle of a SWAT raid and only kneecap people, there's a, <laughs> there's this beautiful moment that happens. minigun with 0.0 casualties. Yeah. Yeah. There's a beautiful moment that happens right before that, which is that it, it, it and Side note, James Cameron seems to have this uncanny, uncanny ability to know what is iconic and what is, you know, what is worth just, you know, telling as a story. But he does the, he rehashes the I'll be back line as an iconic moment. You know, like he zooms in, the smoke's coming in. It's just this like, yeah, we're going to play this moment up. And then he go, when he goes out there, he gets shot up, you know, like he gets, his face is like destroyed and stuff. And we realize that this Terminator has decided that my self-preservation is at, unimportant to is not as important as following the rules that this kid has set up. And so, you know, that, that kind of manifestation of like self-sacrifice in order for the, for the bitter good comes through there. Um, and it's, and it leads right into the final moment, which is like, you know, the Terminator insisting, uh, even, even though it might be a smart decision to keep the Terminator around, you know, like insisting to John who, do, you know, who doesn't want to lose his There's new father. There's one more chip. Yeah. That, that, you know, like, I'm they sorry, the John, in the arm, yeah. I, I'm sorry, John, I have to go. You know, like, and it is like this sort of, it's almost like a Harry and the Hendersons kind of moment, but it is like, it really works. And it's, it's, and I think that's why, you know, like the, the films that I mentioned on this list that do that, you know, like a Jurassic Park is about fatherhood and it's about the, the willingness to accept our roles as fathers, you know, it's about parenthood. Um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road is about sacrifice for the greater good, you know, about being good in a world that doesn't really care about good or bad mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and Terminator is about the optimism. You know, it, it is about the goodness within people to do, th- to make choices that, that may not be in their own self-interest, but are, is, is in the interest of everyone around them. And I think that's why this film works and holds up today. And it, it, it's compounded, you know, I think it, uh, everything else about its technical acumen, mm-hmm. uh, its success at the box office, its, its usage of, of uh, an actor like Arnold who has this stiff delivery in a really smart way mm-hmm. is all secondary to its fantastic, Truly, truly fantastic writing. I think it's the best screenplay that James Cameron has written. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is, uh, it is, it is a testament to, you know, like this is a guy who, who has basically, uh, you know, he's, he's d- dived to the deepest regions of the <laughs> earth. He has come up with protocols for NASA on how they could have possibly approach exploring Mars. This is a person that thinks deeply about humanity and about the way in which humanity works and operates. And I think part of him is entirely pessimistic about that, given what we know about history. And then part of him is entirely optimistic about that, mm-hmm. given the, the endeavors that he does. And I think it's, it's all kind of come through in this Miles Dyson character. Um, so to me, the reason why Terminator 2 sustains is that every time you watch it, 
those things still ring true. Yeah. They, they never, those things have never gone out of fashion. Those things have never like waned with time. And all that's left is this good visual effects movie. Mm -hmm. Those truths are still evident in this film. And yeah. that's why I think this movie is truly astounding. Um, it is possibly one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of my top five. Um, it's actually, uh, yeah, it's strange. It, it's not, it's not a genre of film that I place very highly. I know, you know, like my top five film, it wouldn't be included in my top five film, but I think this is a miraculous film. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think a film like the abyss is more ambitious about this and it is much more, doesn't pull it off though. It doesn't uh, you know, pull it off like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's less subtextual about it, you know, and it's got that great thing, which is that storytelling through action. Yeah. You know? And the last thing I want to say just about the sort of re-release of it, um, and, and then we should we've been going for a while because this is Terminator 2 after all of course we're talking for an hour and a half yeah. uh, the the re-release of it the 3D is not worth it but this is the the kind of thing I'd like to see more in a non 3D standpoint so there's a couple of in video games we brought up Half-Life uh, in video games there's this term called quality of life improvements Right. so it's when a game like The Witcher 3 came out right yeah. and the inventory system was shit a couple months later they fixed it same exact game they patch it for free and now it's a better time to play was it broken Broken too much to play before? Of course not. But now it's the quality of life. Things are easier. Things are slightly better. This is where re-releases, I think Terminator 2, the re-release gets it right. Where like things like the re-release of say like E.T. where they like turn the guns to walkie talkies or like shit like that is bullshit. Only very small things like a little bit of the color was changed. I didn't mind the color. It's hard to tell in theaters these days too because you don't know how the, the projectors. Isn't it, isn't it amazing though? It looks fantastic. Oh, a hundred percent. Like it looks wonderful. But like there's small things. So I don't know if you remember in the iconic everything in this movie is fucking mm. iconic uh in the scene where arnold jumps the bike the t-800 jumps yeah, the bike down, the face right they replace so before it was a laughable stunt double because it's a dude doing that on a bike yeah they did the face and it looks beautiful now yeah. they did that uh, the mannequin in the future Jeep in the very beginning that gets blown up by one of the hunter killer drones. Mm. There was always a mannequin that mm. looked so stiff when the thing was flipping and it crushed and like it yeah, bounced yeah. funny. They fixed that. And I mean, this is the most important for all of us. You can't see Robert Patrick's balls anymore. I just want to talk quickly about Robert Patrick other than his balls. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. He is so good in this movie. And yeah. it's like, it's amazing because he is, he's, he's basically tasked with being more physically intimidating <laughs> with Mr. You know, than Mr. Universe. Oh my God. And like, you know, then, then the creature, then the character that inspired so much fear in Linda Hamilton's character mm -hmm. in the first movie. And somehow someone who is physically smaller, who is like, you know, classic, um, you know, looks like a spindle next to, yeah. next to, next to Arnold Schwarzenegger is way more physically intimidating. The run, the look, the cat like prowess, yep. you know, is, and, and the, the calmness with which he executes every decision. It's kind of masterfully yeah, done. Really you know, good. it's, it's really, it, it, it might be another reason why the visual effects hold up so well as well. You know, like it's a, it's, it's a poised. Yeah. Well, it's also like it's the visual effects are part of this character. Like we feel like we're seeing a character, not an effect, you mm -hmm. know? And I think, and I think that's why it works so well. Um, and to the point, you know, like, uh, I mean, Robert Patrick's been in a lot of things, X-Files, not, you know, not the least of, and, and, you know, uh, I don't think he can ever shake this particular character. It's no. so, you can't look at this character any other, you, you can't look, 
think about the Terminator 1000 and think about Robert yeah. Patrick in yeah. some way. So he's just, it's his muscle. And I think, I think the interplay, you know, like one of the things that we don't think about this film as is as an ensemble, but, but Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Eddie Furlong and, um, um, Miles Dyson, uh, and, and Robert Patrick, mm-hmm. just, just uh, an incredible, like, cast that you know don't joe morton joe, joe morton. morton yeah the brother from another planet um you know just just wonderfully cast that work together perfectly as an ensemble mm-hmm. it's just you know again that might be another reason you know like everything we've said are reasons why yeah. it still holds up today yeah. you know like yeah the only thing i can fault it for is it's slightly yeah slightly dated terminology um I, yeah, that's about it. I think I, I actually, I do disagree with you that I think it is, it is still couched in the chosen one mythology, but it's one that I think actually works really well in its favor. So I'm not mad at it for that. Um, yeah. I agree that you're wrong. Okay. (laughs) If that's your final word (laughs) on it. No, no. Uh, I think please go see it in the theater. I, even if you hate 3d, I I hate saying that. I don't think they've got much of a chance to see it in the theater. No, it's going to be, it's going to be leaving soon. Uh, but it's such a, it's such a magical thing. And even Kristen was saying, she's like, I'm so happy that I saw this like in a theater, yeah. which is great because it, this is not her genre. This is not like a thing that, you know, so like, I don't know. It's just, it, um, did she, so she did enjoy it, right? She yeah. did like, yeah, and, she loved it. Like, and how she was she, talking about it after the fact that like, she was, she was having the reactions that like, I mean, obviously, more, more, but like, obviously more, um, uh, you know, well, ver- well spoken. How, how did she think it's st- stacked? I don't, you know, how do you think she stacked up to other films she's seen? I mean, would well, you think she would, would we she were, agree with the point? That, yes. Yes. I think a hundred percent. She was basically saying like how she, she asked the first thing. She's like, why aren't other action movies like this? And, right. and I think we've talked about that at great length at this point. <laughs> so like this, that question alone <laughs> is, is the, that's the problem. <laughs> and I think, you know, you like, you just have to look at, uh, you know, they should do a re-release of aliens for the same, th- for the same reason. You know, it's like, why aren't action movies like this yeah. anymore? I don't know. Um, anyway, this has been, and I can't believe I'm saying this, it sounds so stupid coming out of my mouth. The only podcast about the film Terminator two judgment day. And it's okay. Yeah. Look, I'm, we'll move on, but it's, it's just amazing to me. It's still a sequel. Yeah. I am I am dumbfounded by how good this movie is. I watched this uh, with the commentary on, thinking I was going to try and get some extra bit of information for this podcast. You didn't pay attention. No, I stopped the commentary halfway going, I actually just want to watch the movie. Yeah. I actually yeah. just want to like enjoy this experience. Yep. Uh, so please go out. I, I mean, yes, you, if you can see it in the theater, do so in the theater. I personally think, uh, and, and I didn't see it in the theater. I have a home projector at home. So I was like quite happy with my large screen. Uh, I don't think 3D is in any way going to enhance this experience. It was neat, but it didn't. It wasn't necessary. And for all the work they did to make it look nice, did you have to pay extra money for 3D? Yeah, just a yeah. Bit. I, I, you know, I don't think it's worth. The, the, I don't think the 3D is worth it, but the 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 ability to experience the movie in a theater. I was uh, happy to pay the money that I did. Yeah, is 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 entirely worth it. But anyway, yeah, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, this has been a long time coming for me, and I, probably for both of us really that we've w- kind of wanted to talk about this movie. It's just interesting. This that it's our in end the of, theater, our end of year wrap up is going to be really interesting this year. I think why because this is now a contender. because this is a contender on the list. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs> now you don't have to listen. Uh, <laughs> next week we're doing our our special right. Our race and representation conversation which yes. I think I'm I'm uh, I'm super pumped about after I, our feminist discussion I, there, I think we're like we're wait. gonna we're gonna walk into some landmines I can't wait <laughs> to reference our feminist discussion uh, with not just dudes in the room um, <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for listening uh, I think we're gonna go out with I mean I wanna go out with the classic 
the the dun, 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 dun. of course why well, can't you have to uh and the score for this film is uh just mind-droppingly wonderful it's actually it's a weird score it, like i listened to it isolated today it is actually quite a strange score but it works beautifully but like the- i listened to it literally but i was a strange kid like mm-hmm. i just had it in a discman and yeah i was just listening to it like while i mowed the lawn like it, it's they, that level for me they did this thing with the t- t1000 where they made like sounds like, like scissors yeah it felt like scissors were everywhere matt where can people reach us or find you on the internet if they wanted to 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 tell us how wrong we are about T- Terminator 2 how possibly we we've just been wrong this whole time and start the the reboot of Star Trek is just as good no, they can't. <laughs> they, if that, that that literally could not happen. Uh, but if they want to talk to me about anything else, they can reach me at matthewkroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-L.com for all my life and works. Emperor MSK on Twitter and Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on the Instagrams. Uh, Shahir, when you are not being faded or not faded to discuss one of the greatest films ever made, where can folks find you? You can find me at shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. And we've talked about this before, but robot music videos coming out in the, and I, I know, <laughs> want to overhype it but the reason i want to mention in this con in this context is that robot music video that i'm releasing with nigel stanford on september 15th is directly influenced by terminator 2 it is we were on set and we said this is a music video imagined if it was directed by james cameron not suggesting i'm james cameron but we were just yeah, we were you're saying doing, we're doing we're, that a little bit we're just saying just let, let's let's do it as via james cameron if your music video mm-hmm. wasn't so fucking good mm-hmm. i would tear you to shit for mm-hmm. saying the even the not analogy of you to james cameron but you mm-hmm. fucking killed this video i know i've said this a million I, I, times i, I don't want to like overplug i do <laughs> fuck fuck this it's so good it is so good and i can't wait for everyone to actually be able to see it and agree with me. We hope if you do see it, you can uh, write us in and why you think it's connected to James Cameron's uh, Terminator 2 by writing us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. All right, let's hit that score and get the F out of here. You're going too fast. It's not going to sync up. No, we got to speed through this. All right, bye. <laughs> bye.